co-hosts of Common Sense Investing have been helping their clients and listeners make sense of the markets for nearly three decades. Using a conservative, diversified, value-oriented approach to investing, they strive to make you a better educated, well-informed investor. And now here's your host, Eric Whiteman. Last week, the market settled down a bit, coming within 2% of its all-time highs. Most of the averages ended up with marginal gains and volatility took a breather. I think most of the support came from the fact that we reached a resolution with Mexico on additional tariffs, although this may end up being temporary, and from the optimism that we may see the Fed lower interest rates. They meet this week, and a lot of investors are going to be waiting to hear what language they use regarding the possibility of future cuts. I, along with most economists, aren't expecting them to move rates lower this week. I talked a bit about this last week, so you might want to go back and give that show a listen. If we're making wagers, I'd say that the Fed will lower by 25 basis points. That's a quarter of percent in July. I think a rate cut this week isn't in the cards because it's only been recently that they started to seriously contemplate the idea. And it seemed a little rush at this point, especially when the Mexican tariffs, that cloud has just lifted and the economic data is, well, it's been reasonably firm lately. What happens if the Fed cuts rates? If they cut rates in response to a rapidly weakening economy, stocks or risk assets, would fare poorly. If the economy is doing fine and the rate cut is simply an insurance policy, the easing would give the economy an additional boost, extending the longevity of the, of the cycle, of this expansion. A longer runway for the business cycle in turn would mean a longer and bigger bull market in stocks. That's my view. I think the economy is doing fine. And if they do cut, it would be like spiking the punch bowl. I don't put a ton of weight behind my macro outlook. I'd rather stick to my knitting and focus on the fundamentals of individual businesses because that's what will ultimately drive the value of the companies that I own over the long term. It's too easy to get the short-term movements wrong. Now, with that said, I will tell you why I'm cautious here. The markets are expecting a rate cut. Looking at it today, the market is pricing in about 75 points of rate cuts this year. That's three quarters of a percent. And another quarter of a percent cut in 2020. If we don't get a reduction in rates this week, I think the market will be patient. But if we don't get one in July, I think the market could rebel. Once we get by this week and the Fed is out of the way, all eyes are going to be turning to the G20 meeting at the end of the month. Most folks are hoping for a good meeting between President Trump and China's presidents and for the talks to resume full force. For portfolios, the strongest sectors in terms of relative strength has been the more defensive type names. The consumer staples, for one, just take a gander at a chart of, oh, Procter & Gamble, symbol PG, Kimberly-Clark, KMB, or Colgate, Paul Molive. Some of these names are getting quite pricey. A lot of them are sitting on big gains at or near all-time highs. It might be time for them to take a break and for the consumer discretionary 
and technology names to step up. Consumer confidence is at a historically high level. Wages are growing. Technology has had a long history of doing well in slow growth economic environments. Who knows what's going to happen in the short term? That's why you want to make sure you have a well-diversified portfolio that's going to meet your needs over the long run. If you need some help, well, give us a call. The number is 301-770-5234. Once again, it's 301-770-5234. Or you can email us at podcast, which is plural, podcast at xmlfg.com. I had someone write in and ask me about Coca-Cola, symbol KO, mostly because I've mentioned Pepsi, symbol PEP, as being a long-time core holding on more than a few shows. First off, Coke. KO. It's a fine company. And if I owned it, well, I'd keep on owning it. I just like Pepsi more because I think it's better positioned for the future. Consumers have been shifting towards healthier, lower calorie, less sugary beverages and and snacks for that matter. Both have about the same market share. Well, same market share here in the US. Pepsi has about 22% of the U.S. liquid refreshment market, and Coca-Cola has about 20%, and that's in retail sales. The, the, the market for fruit juices and sodas, well, they've been declining, and Coca-Cola is a beverage pure play and has significantly more exposure to the soft drink market, and both Coke and Pepsi have their respective juice businesses in Minute Maid and Tropicana. But here's the real reason, or the main reason, why I like Pepsi over Coke. It's because they have that snack division. And a lot of folks don't realize this. They own Frito-Lays, Lays potato chips, Cheetos, Tostitos, Sun Chips, Quaker Oats. And I can tell you the list goes on and on. When you wrap it all up, they account for about 38% of total revenue and 31% of operating profits worldwide. And this part of the business, the snacks part, has been growing at a pretty healthy pace. Pepsi also has greater U.S. exposure than Coke, which is something I prefer right now. If I'm looking out over the next couple of years, I would expect both of them to grow their earnings at about 7% per year on average. And both of them are returning money back to shareholders, which I love. Recently, Pepsi announced that they were raising their dividend, which right now is about 2.9%. That's the 47th year, 47th consecutive annual dividend increase. Not to be outdone, though, Coke raised their dividend back in February, and right now it's at about 3.1%. And that made it the 57th year that they've paid out a more uh, paid out more than they did the year before. So that's that's pretty darn impressive. 57 years of consecutive dividend increases. So the bottom line is, I prefer Pepsi over Coke because it's more diversified, but both aren't cheap here. Coke is trading at 24 times earnings and Pepsi is, well, it's just about the same. To put that in perspective, over the last 10 years, Pepsi has traded between 16 and 20 times earnings, and now it's at 24-ish. People have been paying up for defensive, predictable-type companies lately. Since Pepsi is a core holding, and I guess you could say the same thing for Coca-Cola, 
I'm always willing to buy a little because, well, it's a core holding. And my holding period for these types of stocks is going to be a really long time. I want to own it forever, but it ain't cheap. So just a little bite will do. I also had another question about dividend reinvestment. Is it a good idea or not? Well, I think the answer depends on you. If you're just starting out and you're saving and investing, you're just getting going. One of the best ways to do it is by using an index fund. Because for a relatively small amount of money, you can get a diversified portfolio of stocks and you don't have to make a lot of decisions. In this case, I think you do want to have your mutual fund automatically reinvesting your dividends for you. But if you're farther along in the investing game and you're starting to own individual stocks, I prefer you not to automatically reinvest those dividends. And that's because I'm a value-oriented investor. That's another way of saying I'm cheap. Let me give you an example. Eh, uh, Hypothetical. Let's say a year ago, you did your research and you found a stock you wanted to buy. You thought it was a great business. It was selling for 10 times earnings. I mean, it was cheap. So you pulled the trigger and you know what? You were right. Congratulations. And the market agreed with you. Everyone recognized, hey, this was a great business and it's dirt cheap. So they all jumped on board with you. And now the stock has doubled. It's trading for more than 25 times earnings. Not cheap. As a matter of fact, it's darn right expensive. I want to invest when I think I'm getting a deal. Last year, I was getting a deal on this stock. Now I'm not. I would rather receive my dividend in cash and reallocate to this new company that I found that I think is just as great and cheap rather than reinvest back into the other one, which is really expensive now. Remember, one of the most important rules of investing is buy low, sell high, not buy low and buy much higher. I've seen businesses absolutely destroy shareholder value because they bought back their own stock at elevated prices. I don't want you to do the same. Okay, we've about run out of time for today. If you're looking for a value-oriented manager who can help you put together a sound, reasonable financial plan to suit your needs, well, give us a call. Let's see if we can help you. We'll be back next week. And until then, remember, It's just as important to protect your assets as it is to grow. This has been Eric Whiteman for Common Sense Investing. We'll see you next week. Okay, you've listened to the show. Now it's time for the really good stuff. So listen up. It's the disclosures. The things I talked about during the show, well, they're just my opinion and may or may not necessarily be those of the XML Financial Group. Don't construe this as personalized advice or a solicitation to buy or sell a security. No, no. You should consult your own financial advisor to see if it's appropriate for you. It's also not a substitute for tax or legal advice. I'd suggest you get someone who's qualified in these areas so you can get the 
advice you deserve. When you're talking about asset allocation, diversification, rebalancing, they don't guarantee better results and they don't eliminate the risk of losses. In investing, there are no guarantees. Just because you use these strategies doesn't mean you'll outperform someone or something who doesn't. XML Financial LLC is an independent registered investment advisor.